0: Lord God, what a privilege it is to be together, and we just wonder that you would do a great work in our lives as we seek to follow you as our king, because as our culture of individualism tends to seep into our souls, we just ask, Lord, that we would surrender fully unto you this day. I ask that you would take our minds and think through them now, take our lips, take my lips and speak through them. Take our wills and bend them to yours and take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you and for your son, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Once upon a time, in a land far, far away, lived a king. Has begun many stories, right? We loved him as kids, right? Fairy tales of all kinds of great acts of valor great deception, great romances, and many of them ended with, and they lived happily ever after. We all want that, but that's not the way the world is, is it? As you look out and we go about our daily weeks, we recognize that that isn't the way the world is, and it's not always a fun place to be. We live in the real world, and today the church in its wisdom put as the door hinge between Pentecost and Advent, Christ the King Sunday. Because the church is saying to each and every one of us, individually and corporately as a community, saying, don't you go one step further into Advent without recognizing this fact. Jesus is king. No matter what the world says, Jesus is king. King, And so we get these great texts to ponder as we go into this, because today we're going to rediscover the fact that we have no king but King Jesus. That was a rallying cry. It was American propaganda, but it worked, (laughs) that we have no king but King Jesus at the American Revolution. It was the Presbyterians in in, uh, Pennsylvania, quite frankly, who really got this going. Yeah, Because the Anglicans, many of them were loyalists at the Revolution, because we were Anglicans. and so. But those Presbyterians, those black-robed Presbyterians, stepped up and started that phrase, and it spread throughout the colonial army. So this is part of our heritage, but the individualism of our culture has gotten in the way. So let's rediscover this. Open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 18. If you're visiting with us, you'll find it in the back of your bulletin but what we're going to discover is the kingdom of God and the truth of God in Jesus Christ. Those two great points. The kingdom of God and the truth of Jesus Christ. First, we see the kingdom of God. Jesus says to Pilate in verse 36, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not From this world. Jesus isn't implying in that statement to Pontius Pilate that his kingdom has no implications for the earth and the world we now live in. Far, nothing could be further from the truth, my friends. Rather, Jesus is saying, My kingdom is on another plane than the kingdoms of this fallen world. In fact, Jesus' kingdom is simultaneously over this world. And very much of this world because Jesus has come to make all things new. And he begins by making all things new in the hearts of his people. All right? So Pilate says, you know, later on in chapter 19, dude, don't you realize I have the power to crucify you? Really? He has him flogged. And then he says, Don't you see I have the power to crucify you? And Jesus says, the only power you have is given to you from above. Jesus is saying, yeah, I'm going to get crucified. But that's all part of the plan, Pontius. God's the one who has given you the power to do it. And yet... Jesus then says, therefore, the ones who hand it over to me, over me to you, are guiltier of the sin than you are. (laughs) We're starting to get into the sovereignty of God here, all right? He's saying everything is under God's control. Everything that is happening, if you do something, it's because God had it in mind. It's part of his plan. Yet your motivation, your actions, you own them and are accountable to God for them. It's a mystery. And what he's saying is Pilate is not as deliberate in his hostility to Jesus as some of the other religious rulers are. And he's saying those religious leaders who are more deliberate, they're more intentional, they're more hostile, they're more guilty than you are, but governor, you are guilty too. And here we have the Bible saying over and over and over again, that God is completely in control, and yet we are still responsible for our behavior. We will stand accountable, each and every one of us, before God one day for the way we've lived our lives. And the question is, are we going to be wearing His righteousness or our own? Are you going to be self-righteous? Or are you going to be, have the righteousness of Jesus, reflecting His reign in your life? then how it it brings a great question doesn't it well if god is sovereign if god is in control how why is the world is the world the way it is why is it spinning out of control and chaotic why do people we love die why do we lose our jobs why whatever right But the reality is, when we receive Christ as our Savior and Lord, my friends, life continues to be difficult. Jesus says, after all, if anyone would follow me, pick up your cross and follow me. And that whole metaphor of picking up our cross is to go to die to ourselves and to live for Christ, which will bring problems. The prosperity gospel doesn't work. All right? But God is in control. And life is difficult at times. And life isn't fair at times. But if you step back just a couple of steps and you look at this logically, you'll see that the Christian worldview makes absolute sense. God could have created four different kind of worlds. Number one, he could, he could have not chosen not to create a world at all. Right? Because he's God. He didn't need us. Right? So that's the first choice that God could have had. The second type of world that he could have created is a world without good and evil, making it an amoral world. The third world that he could have created is a world where we, as his creatures, could only have chosen to follow him and to be good, which would have made us robots. And then the fourth option for God is create a world where there is a possibility of good and evil with freedom given to us to choose between the two. Which is the world we live in. So quickly, reviewing those. One, God would create nothing. Two, God would create an amoral world without good and evil. Three, he would create a world where we could only choose good, therefore making us automatons. Or four... Create a world where there is the possibility of good and evil with the freedom given to us that we have. And that last one, number four, is the only world where love is possible. Where the love is capable of meaningful expression and experience. That fourth world, which is the world we have, love is capable of being expressed and experienced you know when you're a parent you look differently from child one to your last child and you parent differently because you gain some wisdom along the way you know and so there, you parent differently from the first child to your last child and then when you're a grandparent you look at life even more differently than you did before you know when you're a parent you stress. You you work on making sure you do it right, and you you worry about the kids and and how they're going to turn out and all. But when you're a grandparent, you know you send them home at the end of the day, and somebody else does the worrying. <laughs> you know, I, it would make a great country music song. I wonder why nobody's ever written one. You know, it really would. But, you know, R- Robbie Zacharias is. Uh, daughter, Naomi, has a son named Jude. I heard him tell this story in the springtime. It's a great story. Talking about his grandson, Jude. And Naomi, his daughter, was going around the house looking for her keys. You know, she had a clip right by the front door to hang them on, but she's lost her keys. Who hasn't done that, right? Everybody does it at one time or another in their life. So she's going around and around trying to find the keys. And she looks at her little boy and says, I can't find my keys. I must be losing my mind. And Jude looks at her and says, Mommy, whatever you do, don't lose your heart because I'm in there. Uh, Out of that mouth of babes. Where does a three-year-old get that? It's love. We all want it. We all long for it from the time we're born. And this is the only world where that's capable of existing. All right? The Islamist doesn't believe that. They're fatalists. All right? The agnostics and the atheists, they can't explain that. We have an explanation for purpose, meaning, and destiny that the world does not have. Now, that doesn't mean there are some things in our lives that we can't explain. People we love do die. People do lose their jobs. I wish it weren't so. We at Christ Church believe God heals, but we pray for healing. But sometimes God says no, and we have no clue why. But the reality is, this is what we're longing for, and God gives us the freedom and the Greatest gift we could ask for with the greatest potential for vulnerability as well with the Lord. And once you know him, once you follow him, once you know his joy, love him and enjoy him just for who he is, and his love, you will discover that for the sake of love, he gives you the freedom to live for him. The abundant life that you hear me talking about all the time, which some of you are like, yeah, I don't buy it. You should. Why? Why? Because he's king, whether you recognize it or not. Get over it. All right? I got, if I live as long as my dad lived, I only got 15 more years on this rock. 11 years has flown by, and we're just getting started now. But he's king, and he rules. There's only two kind of destinies that you have. You can bend your knee of the heart to God and say, Lord, your will be done. Or you can refuse to bend the knee of your heart and he will say to you, your will be done. Have at it. And you're self-righteous by doing that. Or you can take Jesus righteous. Because this is the world we live in. In a relationship with him, through time, And in eternity, answers will be revealed that we cannot fully explain this side of heaven. Let's rest in that. Time is a good indicator for each and every one of us. It's a necessary component to understand the big picture. And some of our questions won't be answered until we're in his presence. And so, it's important for us to remember that. It's like the baby you take to get their shot. Remember when you take your babies to get their shots? They were little kids. You had to hold them. And that nurse, that nurse pulls out this needle that looks to them this long. And the kid starts to scream. And then they get a little shot in their arm. And they are screaming, bloody murder! And then after the shot, they're crying. They get the cool Band-Aid. It looks like Batman or Wonder Woman, whatever they get on their arm. And then you pull out your wallet and you're paying them. they're looking up at you like, you're paying for this? How could you do this to me? Years later, an epidemic sweeps the country. And they're protected. One day they'll understand and we will understand the pain we endured back there. But we're not there yet. Okay? That's true Christianity, my friends. But it explains the world, doesn't it? It truly does. And so, let us bend the knee. Trust the Lord. And say, your will be done, not mine. So Pilate is is interrogating Jesus here. It's a quite fascinating discussion going on. And he asked, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, Well, is this your own idea, or is it somebody told you that this is the case? You see what Jesus is doing? He's turning the tables. This is the governor representing the emperor. And Jesus is talking first century biblical smack to the governor. Is this your idea, or is this something you heard? I'd like to know. And Jesus says, you know, Pilate says, am I a Jew No. Jesus is going after Pilate personally. Because he's not letting Pilate get away with what so many people get away with in our culture. They attempt to. They think they are getting away with it, and they're not going to. But the reality is we treat Jesus as an abstraction. No, he's going after Pilate personally. He's saying this is something you, governor, should take personally. Don't talk about me as a distraction. So where do you stand in regard to me? And so, therefore, it has to be something very personal for each and every one of us as we wrap up this season. For his kingdom is real, and his kingdom is where his people are who live under his reign. And as we do so, it gets noticed, my friends, because genuine faith is actively obedient to the word of God. For one to profess Jesus as Savior and yet not live under his reign does not possess salvation at all. He's either the Lord or he's not. Perhaps it's time to choose. You can't make up an individual Christian life plan. It doesn't work. All right, And that's exactly what so many Americans tend to do. No, ladies and gentlemen, authentic saving faith lives in the freedom that is found in a walk with Jesus Christ. And it says, yet not my will, but yours. Oh, not perfectly. (laughs) There's no perfect believers here. We don't allow those people. But the reality is, it's a people where true freedom and abundant life is discovered and eternal life is possessed. That's living in God's kingdom. Secondly, it's true. Because Jesus says in verse 37, For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. He's been saying this the whole biography of John, John 14. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 8 He even goes a little further and he says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So many people speak of being a follower of Christ as being just a slavery. Yeah, we're bondservants of Christ and there's a reality to that. But as you walk as his servant, there's such freedom and joy. And yet today we live in a post-truth culture while people will agree over a set, statements of facts and evidence, and yet because they live their lives according to their preferences and feelings, they live however they want. Over and above the evidence. And Jesus, and a genuine walk with Jesus, clears the cultural fog. He gives clarity to the confusion about what true freedom is. He gives clarity To sexual ethics. He gives clarity to human dignity. He gives clarity to gender and identity issues. He gives clarity to the tension between science and faith. He gives clarity between religious pluralism. Why? To give us hope. It's a hope that he's offering Pilate right here. If Pilate will just take it. And the hope that as I trust in God and Jesus came for each and every one of us who really did die a horrific death, and three days later rose again victorious, that we can be sure and positive that he has done what he came to do. And be assured of it. Because he's perfect, you don't have to be. He's perfect for you. And because of that truth, we can have life abundant and life eternal. I looked in a closing uh, for some some words from our culture that would really cast some light on the way our culture thinks right now and the way this good news speaks into it. There's a group called Crash Parallel. Can't say I've listened to them lately. But uh, they say these words, and they're quite profound. And I think they reflect the post-truth culture. Well, sleepless nights and endless days in miniskirts and serving trays, waking up from rain delays and selling sex for pocket change, and living off the alcohol with no one but a cab to call, and lost inside a bathroom stall, this carbon copy life withdrawal, and driving cars we can't afford, just making sure we're never bored. Living off our own accord between coffee grinds and corner stores and limousines and cigarettes and chasing dreams with fishing nets and long weekends with regrets. Well, no one here is taking bets. And I need someone to believe in. Yes, someone to fill this space with grace. Someone to look into my eyes and touch my face to make me feel alive today. Someone to make me strong. Someone to make me alright. Someone to make me feel alive. Do you hear what they're asking for? We don't need something to make us alive. We need someone and they're asking for it. I read those lyrics and I said, Oh Lord, send someone who knows you into their path. Not me. Someone else. because that's what we all do, right? Not me, oh Lord. Send someone who understands those kind of people. God will put you in front of people who think just like this. They know they need someone to believe in, someone to touch their face, someone to look into their eyes and make them feel alive, to make them strong, to make them all right, and to make them feel alive. They've got him in Jesus, and so do you. We don't need something to make us alive. We need Jesus Christ. Because it's in Jesus Christ truth and personal feelings converge. It's in Jesus Christ we have both the truth who satisfies our quest for meaning and the personality who satisfies our need for connection. The truth our minds seek in the person that our hearts embrace. So, what's your response? As we celebrate Jesus, the King, today, is your response like Pilate? Because Jesus says to him, "Everyone who of is of the truth listens to my voice." And Pilate said to him, "What's truth?" Or do we say, "Lord, not your my will be done, but yours." In my life, in my family, in my church family, and in our community. There's only two options. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you and we pray that uh, for any of us who have wrestled at all with this passage and, and your lordship in their lives, that this would be the day they bend the knee of their heart and say to you, Lord Not my will, but yours be done. And it's in so finding they can know the abundant life. They can know the life of peace and joy that is found in a walk with you. No matter what comes, they know you hold them in in your hands because you love us with an everlasting love. And underneath are the everlasting arms. Lord, I pray that you make that a reality in each and every one of our lives this day. And Lord, for those who continue to wrestle, may we wrestle together, asking the questions, seeking the answers in you, Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.